Right, hey everyone. Um, I did an AMA on my Instagram just to get some questions and they turned out to be some quite good ones. So I thought I would do this on a YouTube video and just see how that goes. Um, if this is popular, if there's interest, I'll do something like a monthly one just to round up some questions and then answer them at the end of the month in a video. Um, so, first question. This came off the forums. Um, let's say you're programming in something like three sets of eight to 12. Pretty common. Um, the question from this guy was, do you aim to start the exercise with a high rep set? Um, or do you sort of keep your reps constant throughout? So if it's eight sets, uh, three sets of eight to 12, do you try and hit 12, 12, 12? Or do you do something like 12, 10, eight, something like that? He says he struggles with programming progression without a top set and a backup set. So interesting how you do this. Yeah, it's a good question. And there's a very, a uh, good explanation uh, for why I do things the way I do. So if I've got a range, say eight to 12 reps or eight to 15, which is probably more common for me, that first set, I'll try and take it right the way up to 15 reps. Um, and I want that first set, the weight that I use to be roughly, um, roughly something like a 15 to 16 rep max, because then I know that's effective weight for me. See, if you've got something like a 12 rep max or a 15 rep max, whatever's you know effective for you, it's not the rep range that's makes it effective, it's the weight on the bar. So to put that into numbers, let's say you're a, I don't know, 100 kilo bencher, and you wanna do 80 kilos for three sets of 12. Okay, that's great. So you might hit 12 on the first set, 10 on the second set, and eight on the, on the third set. So all the sets right from the beginning, they're really high, relative intensity of effort so you're working hard right the way through the first set second set and third set your reps drop off just because you get tired now let's take that a different example let's take the same 100 kilo bencher and let's say he wants to actually hit 12 12 12 he's probably gonna have to use something like 70 kilos maybe 65 and then so he'll get 65 with 12 12 12 um, but that first set's going to be really easy so he's not actually using a 12 rep max there is using probably more like a 20 rep max or something like that. So you've got to think about it in terms of that sense. When you do multiple um, sets, it's not important about the, the reps aren't important at all. What's important is the weight on the bar. And so if you're trying to hit 12, 12, 12 on every set, or let's say you're doing more sets and you're doing 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, so it's five sets of 12. If you want, if all of those five sets you've hit 12, then the weight on the bar for the first couple of sets is going to be so easy that it's probably not going to be worthwhile. It's probably going to be nothing more than a warm-up set. So I wouldn't recommend doing that at all. I would go with something like a 12 rep max. You know, obviously not a gut-busting 12 rep max because I, I'm, well, it's a different conversation, but I don't really believe in train to failure. But, you know, you want a hard set of 12 to begin with so you know the weight on the bar is right for the adaptation that you want. And then after that, if your reps drop off, your reps drop off, it's fine. But you're still using this, the right weight to force the adaptation onto your muscles. You can use, you know, you can use an incredibly light weight for it to be really easy. And, you know, it's debatable how useful those reps are. Um, people have the theory these days of there being effective reps as well. So I certainly wouldn't want to stray too far away from each work set being actually quite hard. Um, a lot of people use reps in reserve these days. I think if you're consistently using more than a three RIR, like you're doing four reps in reserve or five reps in reserve or six reps in reserve, 
um, I think it's a bit of a waste. So yeah, you want every set to be challenging and hard. So in that sense, um, the higher up set comes first. Yep. And then it just, come. It just, the reps just come down as you tire. If you think about it, it's not actually too different to the way you do your top set and back off sets. That first set is the money set. That lets you know whether you're going to progress or not from last week. Um, the rest of the sets, they're just adding more volume to it because if you're doing that style of training, you are of the belief that volume makes a difference, which which I am. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, second thing, one thing I'd be interested in hearing about is why you feel that nutrient timing is so important around weight sessions, but so unimportant around cardio sessions. Basically, the school of thought that I see from most informed people is pre and post workout nutrition are imperative, to which I agree. But then people say basically you can eat daily 2k calories as far away from your cardio as possible, fasted, or shovel them all down before you hop on the treadmill and results will be the same. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure results will be the same. Um, I don't believe in fasted cardio. I haven't seen any real evidence to support the idea that that's a good thing um, or necessary. There's There were some sort of rumors, uh, like some talk from Mike Israel about it potentially being quite good just for um, nutrient partitioning and nutrient timing. I've yet to buy it. I've yet to buy the idea of fasted cardio. The reason is this, like <clears throat> fasted cardio can be useful, um, but in combination with some pretty gnarly drugs and um, eating protocols. So again, you know, fasted. Um, but overall, for if you're just, if you're natty or you're not taking any of those kind of supplements, which you really shouldn't be because they're terrible for you, um, then no, it offers no benefit at all. It just doesn't because it's still gonna burn calories. You may be in a, fat, a fasted state and burning more fat, or you may be in a fed state and potentially burning more carbohydrates, but at the end of it, you're still going to burn the same amount of, carbon, of calories uh, and your body will even it out over time. So that's the reason. Essentially, the very simple thing is that fasted cardio without a range of supporting drugs is completely useless. And I think where this comes from is it comes from a lot of guys who have traditionally just done fasted cardio and probably have done use these types of drugs and these types of protocols. And when they pass them on to their clients or talk about them in magazines, everyone just kind of thinks that's what they should be doing. Um, but that's often not the case. So that's why, um, mainly because nutrient timing around weight sessions is important for recovery. But cardio, you're not doing that to then recover from it. You're doing that to burn calories. Um, so, you know, fasted cardio isn't really a thing unless you're taking some pretty gnarly drugs with that. And then you also, you got to look at the value of cardio as well. Like how valuable is it in general? And that's a whole nother big conversation. Um, so yeah, right. Well, uh, hopefully that's answered your question anyway. Basically the idea is fasted cardio sucks unless you're backing up with, with the right protocols. Okay. Third question. This one came through Instagram, uh, thoughts on Huel. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I looked up Huel. I'm roughly aware of what it is because it's um, a meal replacement shake, basically. You know, just we've had tons of meal replacement shakes over the years, you know, from everyone remembers NutraSweet to, you know, even Weight Watchers meal replacement shakes. Um, there's a couple of thoughts on this. One is to do with, the one is the big thought for me, which is to do with dietary adherence and dietary schedule. The biggest transition for me going from like fat out of shape powerlifter 
to um, you know reasonably not dog shit bodybuilder was dietary schedule actually having a routine and I realized through coaching as well that most people don't have a dietary routine most people's routine is a meal with family and then just snacking through the day most people don't think about sort of breakfast lunch dinner or however they structure their meals I'm not saying any of those meals are necessary but most people don't have a structure throughout the day and one of the things you'll notice about um, trying to make bodybuilding work and trying to actually compete and do things on you know to your, to fulfill your potential is that most bodybuilders will have some type of schedule they'll have um, sorry something in my eye they'll have a set number of meals um, and that may consist of meals and shakes and they'll have a loose schedule where they're eating they may have periods of the day where they're fasting they may not depends on how big they are I guess depends on what their goals are but certainly there's some sort of schedule there. What I dislike about things like meal replacement shakes is they feed into this lack of schedule. So the idea is, well, I'll just, you know, pop a shake and that will kind of make up for it. It's that whole looking for, looking for, it's sort of like looking for a bandage to put on top of a big wound when actually you're not addressing what, what, what the fuck has just happened. They call it, you know, it's a band-aid solution you're not really addressing the greater issue which is dietary ad adherence and schedule throughout the day um so just popping a pill or taking a shake it, you know it's it's not going to give you the same results as actually having a schedule of eating um and i'm you know i'm all for if it fits your macros and i think a sensibly uh, done if it fits your macro schedule is great if it offers you flexibility and that's fantastic but <clears throat> where i'm i'm talking more of like a i don't know if it's the right thing to say, but I'm talking more of in the trenches. As a coach, what I see, um, what I, um, the major, large majority of people who come to me who are just gen pop, they're not you know competitors, come to me with this problem where they don't really have an eating schedule. They don't have a regular set of meals that they have. Um, they don't have anything kind of pre-planned for the day. Uh, and so this sort of feeds into that approach. Well, I'll just take a shake and it'll be fine. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not convinced. Um, Second thing is digestibility. A big thing that you'll hear a lot of bodybuilders talk about is this idea of, of being able to digest good foods. So the foods that are sit well in your stomach are generally the ones that you're going to move towards. My issue with Huel is I don't really know what the digestibility is like. Um, so, I mean, I, I so far today I've, I've packed away quite a lot of quite a lot of food, um, protein shakes, beef. Um, chicken, vegetables, all that kind of stuff. Now, if I was to throw on something on top of that which doesn't sit well with me, that would just push back my eating schedule throughout the day. So it would just mean I wouldn't be able to do what I need to do and I would just feel like crap. So I don't know about the digestibility of fuel. I don't know. So what I, so sort of brief summary of that is um, I'm not convinced that it's a good idea. One, I think it's more important to actually have a set schedule of food and not try and have a band-aid solution on that. So make yourself, you know, pre-prepare some meals which are going to be more filling for you and more nutritious than getting things from a shake. Um, in a pinch, sure, maybe, if I'm, if I'm really rushed, I guess. But if you're doing it as a regular part of your schedule, I think while it in itself, if it's balanced and nutritious, I'm sure it's fine, but it points to a greater problem there in your routine and it points you trying to cut corners you can't really you can cut corners in nutrition like don't get me wrong prep is a big time saver 
you know, prepping your meals on a Sunday is a huge time saver for the week. For me, that's that's a hack because I can have three or four really healthy, nutritious meals and I don't need to do anything with them. I just put them in the microwave for two and a half minutes. I'm done. So for me, that's a real hack. Um, having a having a shake, not so much. Um, also, third point, I guess you could say, is most people who come to me um, are looking to actually drop weight or recomposition their bodies. They're actually, they don't want to get any bigger. And having a shake in replacement as a meal, you're basically doing what some of the biggest men on the planet have done for years to get bigger. And you might be using that to lose weight. You know, just think about it logically. That doesn't seem like a good idea, does it? So that's another thing that I'd say is against Huel. So three things. One, I think it points to um, a lack of dietary adherence. Um, two, I'm not sure about the digestibility. And three, drinking your calories is not the greatest way to maintain your weight if you have problems um, going on the heavier side, which most people do, especially when they get a bit older. Okay, question four. Common mistakes uh, getting back into lifting. Yeah, um, I can definitely speak on this. Uh, my, my worst injury ever um, was a hamstring tear, a really, really severe hamstring tear back somewhere 2005, 2006. And I'd come back from traveling around Asia. So I was in South Korea, uh, China, Japan. And I came back and I actually hadn't lifted because the, the latter part of my trip, the last six months was all traveling. So I hadn't actually lifted for, I think, six to nine months, something like that. I just got, in, got out of the swing of things. Probably the third time in my life. Um, so I came back, um, got back into the English you know, swing of things, decided to get back on my old training routine, um, was pulling a deadlift and snapped my hamstring. Snapped. Sna <laughs> snapped all my shit up. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes is not easing back into it. Lots of people do that. So ease back into it. Really, you can almost downgrade your training experience back down to a beginner. So you could do some full body workouts. You could do some upper lower, upper lower. Um, stick to higher up ranges. Don't do anything too low. Stick to multiple steps. In general, stick to a higher volume approach, I would say. It's probably safer. And just work on, just like you would if you were coaching someone, just work on technique. The strength will come back. Just get in the gym, have a good results producing workout, a nice solid, nothing special, nothing like hardcore, just some uh, good lifting with good form, higher up ranges, don't push the weight, let the weight come to you, yeah? Okay, fifth question, when is Chester Rockwell back on? Um, yeah, I've not been pushing it with him uh, because I know he's a little bit burnt out with, with everything. He spent a lot of time building his business and getting his name out there and he's done tremendously well and also a hell of a lot of time researching new ideas and he's done some really amazing work um, when you talk about what's involved at a um, sort of PhD uh, doctorate level it is taking previous bits of work and then amalgamating them to 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 create something new which is what he did so his articles on growth hormone for hypertrophy, growth hormone for fat loss, they took the existing science, and the science isn't there for bodybuilders, trust me, it's, it's really not. He took the existing science and created something which was for a new angle, for a new audience, and that is original doctoral level work. So he put a lot of time and effort into that. Um, I think he's a little bit burnt out now. 
So um, whenever he's ready to come back, um, he said that uh, we'll have our first dibs on my podcast. So um, whenever he feels ready and up for it, then I'm sure he'll be back at some point. I'm sure he will. Uh, but it's no surprise that he's a little bit burnt out. But it's also giving adding pins his wife a chance to make a lot of content on Instagram as well, which is cool. So that's also good. Um, so yeah, when is CR back on? To be confirmed. Um, but when he does, he'll be on the podcast. Um, sixth question, biggest peak week mistakes. Yeah, this is a really good question. Really good. Um, so years ago, it used to be the case that everyone was everyone would talk about peak week, you know. Um, different protocols you can do, messing with, you know, water, sodium, diuretics, all that kind of stuff. Lately, it's been more of the case of, well, if you just get peeled enough, it doesn't really matter what you do. Um, I think it does matter, personally. Um, and some of the coaches who I've said, and some of the coaches who I've heard say, particularly in the UK, because um, I, I pay attention to the UK scene much more than I do the American scene, just the way it is, um, they've said things like, yeah, we don't really do much in peak week. Um, we, we think, you know, it's too easy to, to screw up. And that's become fairly sort of commonplace, like just get lean enough and, you know, you don't need to do anything. I don't know. I think a lot of people who say that, they also don't really know the ins and outs of what's involved in peak week. So, you know, people talk about peak week being a hit and miss and they're only talking about sodium. They're not talking about potassium. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, you, you, you're really just taking shots in the dark there because if you don't know the full extent of the protocol, or how to do things like you really are going to screw things up so no wonder it's a hit and miss if you're only if you're only really concerned about sodium and not about potassium of course it's hit and miss of course it is because how would you, how would you know you don't you have half the protocol there um i think water intake is something people should keep constant most of the time uh and i think loading in the mistakes i made i, I see made are one messing people's with, with people's water intake i don't like the idea of that um, I think it's dangerous, uh, and I think you can really fuck them over. So the first mistake I would say is not um, paying attention to all electrolytes. Um, potassium is particularly neglected, um, and there, there is a symbiotic relationship between sodium and potassium that you have to understand before you can dive into peak week. Um, second thing is, I think, restricting water. I don't think that's the best practice. There are other ways of doing it. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I'm saying there's potential for it to, to really, really go wrong. Um, third thing is carbohydrate loading. Fuck, this is one that I see fucked up so many times. So many times. Um, you have a guy being fed 800 grams of carbs, 1,000 grams of carbs in one day. So he's, his stomach capacity is massively shrunken down. He's not had any carbs for ages and he's one day away from a competition. The coach has basically been starving him on just high protein, low carbs, low fat, working him into the ground. And then the last day before a competition just shoves 4,000 calories worth of carbohydrates down his gut. That's going to fuck you over. It's going to fuck anyone over. Um, but the amount of times I see that happen is unreal. Uh, unreal. Like, you, you couldn't make it up. It's just, it's insane. Like, why would you not just either, one, carb them up throughout the week? So drip that 1,000 extra grams of carbs, drip it in throughout the week. Get them ready early, you know? Don't get them ready just for the day of the competition. Get them ready a week early so they can just slide into it. 
have them carb load across the week. So then you and I'm not even talking a huge carb load, just something which is appropriate for the athlete and drip it in per day. If they need more, give them more. If not, pull them back. So you have control. Whereas if you just dump a thousand grams of carbs onto someone one day prior to a competition, it's no surprise you, you, you're screwing up the prep. It's, it's no surprise. It, it, it baffles me when people do that. It really does. Um, especially when the guy's lean. It's like just carb them up a few days before and then adjust if you need to. That makes perfect sense. And that, that's what I've done. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, the other thing is training. The amount of people who are still training hard um, two days before a competition. Like one guy I know around here, um, he told me he was training right up to the day of the competition. Like it's a brag. It's, like, it's not a fucking brag. Go home and rest. Your muscles aren't going to look better. Especially your legs. You'll smooth your legs right out. Legs aren't going to look better if there's if there's a thin layer of water from the inflammation from your training. Um, it's just simple stuff. Just really, really simple stuff. So biggest people mistakes, I'd say, one, not understanding the relationships of between all factors involved. So I'm not just going to say sodium potassium, but everything involved in that sodium potassium interaction with water. Um, yeah, third, third thing is is cutting water intake. I don't think that's a good, great idea or safe. I think it can work, but um, it's not my way of doing things. I think it's dangerous. Um, and yeah, just slowly dripping in some carbs is the third thing. Uh, don't shove them in too fast. That's just, it's honestly something I see so much and it just baffles me why people do that. Um, and yeah, fourthly, training. Just cut your training out a few days before. It's not a big deal. Let your body relax. You can keep doing cardio if you need to. Like if you need to at that point, yeah, sure, keep doing cardio. And again, that points back to carbon up a bit earlier. So you've got room to pull it back if you want to. Um, so those would be my biggest peak mistakes. And just, I say just the belief that peak week doesn't make a difference. Like it fucking does. Like you can ask anyone who's been depleted for a while, has, you know, a, a refeed and wakes up the next day looking like a statue. It makes a difference. Can we just accept that and move on? Um, last, last question. <laughs> There's uh, John, um, Ollie writes, the bigger my quads get, the smaller my cop looks. Any ideas? <laughs> Firstly, just, just stop training legs. Obviously, that's, that's the only solution uh, that I can see. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm out of ideas on that one, buddy. <laughs> right, uh, cool. I'm going to call it there. Um, if you've got any questions, put them down in the comments. This will be on YouTube. Um, or you can DM them to me. I'll probably do another AMA maybe next month. But hopefully you found that useful. And uh, yeah, call it there.